3: Welcome back to This One's a doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. We talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Yes, we
2: do. And we have a very, very cute, very special guest today. We do. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Phoebe. I'm Kevin's sister.
2: Yes, she's been wanting to be part of a recording For a while. Yeah. And this one just kind of made sense. It was kind of a fun one. It's family, there's like a family vibe in the air with all the holidays and
3: oh yeah. It's like
2: perfect timing.
3: Well, and we're also recording at my mom's house. We are. So we've got Phoebe and Phoebe, why don't you tell everybody, how old are you?
1: I'm 14. And
3: what grade are you in?
1: I'm in eighth grade.
3: Wow. Just cruising on. So we got we got the Gen Z slash (laughs) A.
1: Gen we'll Z fight about this alpha. all day. We will. <laughs> Y'all. She's on the I'm, line. So I'm fair. on the line. 2009 is Gen Z, in fact. I looked it up. <laughs> you can Google it. I did it. Sure. Yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Google it.
3: So, this is our, our attempt at reaching the next generation of blisters. Yeah, look at us go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Teamwork. So, here we are. Well, we always start our episodes off, Phoebe, as you know, because you're a listener. Yes,
1: of course.
3: By asking the question what are you drinking? And since you're the guest, you better know what you're drinking first.
1: Well, I am drinking a steamer from Starbucks. Vanilla steamer. It's delicious.
3: Is there any coffee in that? No
2: No. coffee. No No (laughs) coffee. The steamers are like a latte without the Espresso. Okay.
3: Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) Nice.
2: It's bussy, as the youth like to say. (laughs) Bussy. See how hip we are on this show? So hip. So hip. Trendy. Yes. Yeah. Pushing the line.
3: What are you drinking, babe?
2: (laughs) I got a peppermint matcha um, iced. Noise. Super good. And then you have something very special. Yes, I have a
3: special drink because like we said, I'm at my mom's, so I can drink whatever I want. Uh, (laughs) And I need to pull up the picture of the label that I took. It's a Dirty Monkey Banana Peanut Butter Whiskey. And it's super tasty. You've had some
2: like a string of fun drinks.
3: Yeah, it's really been. I mean, seasonal stuff is always good. This isn't seasonal, but it's a season that I get to have this kind of fun stuff (laughs) because I didn't buy it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's fun. Well, um,
2: who do you have a feel good fact this week? We actually, our very special guest has one. Oh, you have a feel good.
1: fact. I do have a feel she good. She Came facts. in clutch
2: when I realized I forgot to. I
1: got one. Find one. <laughs> so, <laughs> I found out that narwhals change color with their age. Like they get darker or lighter as they get older. Or younger. That's oh, really interesting. As they get older. So it's pretty cool. It's kind of like how it's our so hair
2: changes colors. Yeah. Yes. As we get older.
1: It's so cute. I was like, that's. Cute.
2: That that's is adorable. So Can you imagine if we all just like got like purpler as we got older? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, goodness.
2: We wouldn't be able to hide our age as easily.
3: Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, we don't want to to keep anybody waiting. So we, why don't we go ahead, my love. What story do you have for us this special end of the year week?
2: Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, the holidays aren't over yet. Christmas may have come and passed, but it's still the holidays. And so I was thinking that it would be really fun to find some stories involving holiday hauntings. Mm. So across the world for many a millennia, People have reported strange sightings and experiences that can't immediately be explained away. And so for today, I thought we'd do a fun little compilation episode of some of the more interesting hauntings that took place during the holidays that I could find. Yeah, fun. We've got a drunk troublemaker summoned on Christmas Eve, a holiday bridal disappearance, and an extremely famous ghostly woman dressed in brown. So hang Mm -hmm. on, Kev and Phoebe, because this one's a doozy. Ooh, she said. I said it. I said the line. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into specifics, I think it's good to start with a little bit of a background that'll give some context to the stories. So as we've discussed on the show before, Victorian England often rang in the Christmas holiday by gathering around the fire after dinner and sharing spooky ghost stories into the night. This practice is often attributed to Charles Dickens upon the 1843 release of his Christmas ghost story classic, A Christmas Carol. But it's also true that family and friends would gather around the fire to exchange ghost stories on Christmas night for upwards of centuries beforehand. Interestingly, between the years 1800 and 1849, press in the United States and England featured somewhere around 24,000 mentions of ghosts and like, like paranormal activity, compared to 1850 through 1899, where there was an impressive 161,000 mentions of ghosts in the press. So like there was this huge upswing of newspapers reporting on hauntings after the release of A Christmas Carol.
3: Yeah, so there's just a lot of not only interest, but it's like it's been primed a little bit. Mm -hmm. People are are starting to, to, oh, maybe... Maybe that's happening to me. Maybe that's happened in my home. Who knows? Right, exactly. They're they're kind of ready for it.
2: Right. So it's kind of plain to see that with the popularization of A Christmas Carol and the many, many ghost stories like it, uh, that they kind of just had an influence on the culture in a way that people felt compelled to bring their own stories, whether based in reality or fully fictional to the attention of the press and the public at large. Mm -hmm. On top of that, there was a cultural shift taking place where old superstitions and death customs were being replaced with more in-depth religious doctrine. And so the conversation around anything supernatural was shifting at the same time as ghosts were being popularized in fiction. And so it was like fiction was kind of blending with people's uh, superstitions that were morphing with religion Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So, the question is Is there some kind of significance of ghosts, particularly around Christmas time? And if so, why? It could be due to the beliefs surrounding Yule and the idea that spirits, benevolent or evil, are free to wander about during that time of year. It could be due to the influence of fictional ghost stories in pop culture, or perhaps it could be because people really were encountering something unexplained during Christmas in the 19th century. Author M.J. Wayland spent some time researching this trend and put together an incredible collection of stories that he pulled from news reports that he dug up. And so I'm going to share a couple of those and then a couple that I found just on my own. So without further ado, let's dive into one of those stories.
3: Okay.
1: Let's do it.
2: So we're going to start with the story of Colonel Sidley's Christmas ride. So we've talked about the wild hunt in both of our holiday folklore episodes. For those who might have missed those, these are regional variations of, or there are regional variations of the wild hunt, who leads it, what the purpose of the wild hunt is, and so on. And some would compare this story to its own version of the wild hunt. But the difference is that according to everything I read about this story, it's based on fact. There were witnesses that could corroborate that this actually happened. Very strange. So we're going to travel over to Ranworth, Norfolk, England. To the year seventeen
3: seventy, oh, long time so ago. So before our country was a country, yeah. that's <sighs> crazy to think about. That's
2: a it's a long time that's ago. Weird. Weird. So the main character in this story is a fella known as Colonel Thomas Sidley. Sidley, who lived at Ranworth Hall, was also known through the town as so debauched and evil that people often wondered if he was either possessed by the devil or if he was the devil himself. Oh. So he was like a real troublemaker. Oh, <laughs> yes. So honestly, I'm just going to like spoil that. He wasn't he wasn't possessed by the devil. He just liked to party. Oh. Which would not do <laughs> in, in 1770 but England.
3: So not necessarily a bad guy, but not a good guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, they didn't really like
3: yeah. this guy all that much. He's sure. kind
2: of unpredictable. He's a wild card. Yeah. <laughs> so writing in the EDP in 1768, HO Mansfield wrote this of Sidley, saying, quote, "He was a wild, cruel, bitter man." wine, women, and the mad pleasures of the hunt owned his soul if he could be said to have one, end quote. Oh. <laughs> so if I he had I a soul, those are the things those that Those are the it.
3: things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a bad guy.
2: So he was known to throw these wild, hedonistic parties that could be heard and seen at all hours of the night all across the countryside. He'd leave all the lights of the hall on and the sounds of screaming, drunken singing and fighting and loud laughter echoed across the area all night long, like every night. He just threw ragers every night oh in his gosh.
3: little castle. <laughs> so, also probably not the best neighbor, but they probably didn't have too close of quarters back then. Not. probably not. I mean, just, maybe. I mean, I mean, also depends, I guess, on how crazy the rager was. I don't know. How People are reporting
2: hearing the parties all night every night, and That's
1: like not <laughs> they listened to back in 1770. I don't know. Well, man. They listened to. They didn't have any doja. They didn't
2: have. <laughs> they didn't it's didn't do- true. Doja <laughs> wasn't there
1: yet. <laughs> Or we were, maybe she
3: was. Who knows? Getting turned on a on a on a qu- quartet string yeah. quartet. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder if they had choreographed like group dances that they would all oh, just yeah. like bust out.
3: they like they were probably like early line dancing kind of style. Oh, right? that'd be really fun. <laughs> or they all know like the same the same uh, folk dance yeah. kind of thing, river dance oh, kind boy. of stuff,
2: river dance. <laughs> that would be a thing. So Sidley cared about one thing and one thing only his own pleasure. Typically, he would be seen in all black clothes with jet black hair and always wearing his riding boots and spurs so that at any point in time, he could hop on his black horse, which he named Black Jezebel, at a moment's notice. And as always, his pack of hunting dogs would join in with him. So around town, people lived in fear of crossing Sidley and his hunting crew and would all but hide to avoid the roads altogether if they heard the telltale sound of Black Jezebel's hooves stomping along the paths. <laughs> as soon as they heard that horse a-stomping, everyone was like clearing house, heading home,
3: hiding in the yeah. ditch. He was he was the, the then-days equivalent of like an emo kid, scene kid, trying to like make a statement. Yeah. Because he like named his horse. Black like Jezebel, like all, like he, he's doing the thing to be noticed in that way. Yeah. He's setting up be his different. brand.
2: Yeah. Yes. It's be well, it's when he already knows out. that he's scaring people.
1: Right.
3: And so yeah. he's just
2: like, I'm just going to lean into that.
1: Yeah. yeah, And then you know Ooh. what I'm
2: going to get out of that? Some jollies. Yes. It's going to be really fun <laughs> to see everybody afraid of me all the time. Yeah. I think he's just honestly living his
3: best life. Right. <laughs> he was unafraid of anybody's <laughs> opinion, but right. his own. Mm-hmm.
2: Honestly. So on Christmas Eve, 1770, a group of men had received an invitation to join Sidley on one of his hunts. And so just before midnight on that night, everyone arrived and found him dressed in his signature black hunting gear. Just before they set out for their hunt, Sidley ran back into Ranworth Hall and decided to finish a bowl of Christmas punch with all of his guests before they took off. So he's like, you know what? I got this whole thing (laughs) of Christmas punch. Let's go get lit. And then let's head out.
3: Yes, yes.
2: That was the plan. So it's safe to say that the crew was sufficiently intoxicated. Sidley stood up and began ushering everyone to the stables so that they could mount up Black Jezebel and the visitors' horses. Mm. As they approached the stables, suddenly the door to the stables burst wide open, and standing there in the doorway was a tall, dark figure dressed in a black, long cloak and a large black hat that obscured his face from sight. In a deep, harsh voice, the figure demanded that Sidley should join him for a ride. The other men in the hunting party stumbled drunkenly over to their own horses, just as the hounds jumped out of their kennels, and a servant came forward with Sidley's riding cloak. The strange dark figure waved the servant away, saying, He will need no cloak this night. Hmm. Very ominous. Yes. Afraid and uncertain about the stranger, Sidley's dogs took off running away from the Ranworth Hall property while the hunting guests took stock of the strangeness brewing in the skies above them. Out of the blue, thick dark clouds rolled in, accompanied by deep claps of thunder. As they all stared skyward, the men began quietly agreeing that maybe the hunt was a bad idea. When they looked for Colonel Sidley, they couldn't see him or the cloaked stranger. That is, until a massive bolt of lightning split across the sky, illuminating Sidley and the stranger who had taken off for the Norfolk Broad. They watched until both riders were totally out of sight and stood dumbfounded until suddenly a piercing scream of total agony rang out, even louder than the growing storm, followed by a large splash of water and then an unsettling silence. Oh. Just then a bell began to softly toll in the night.
3: (laughs) Okay. After that is the a, silence. That is a, quite a statement. That's like a tones.
1: movie. Yes. It is like, like a movie. The lightning. Yes. So you can see them and they go away. Mm-hmm. It's a movie scene.
2: Yeah, it is. So the hunting guests and the Ranworth Hall servants all took off in search of Colonel Sidley and Black Jezebel, but despite their best search efforts, they couldn't be found. The following day, a solicitor arrived at Ranworth Hall announcing that he received an urgent summons to come to the property, but he didn't really know any details as to why he was needed so urgently. The solicitor turned a ghastly shade of white as he heard the story of Sidley's departure with the cloaked stranger from those who had witnessed the whole situation for themselves. When the story was over, the solicitor quietly retrieved Sidley's papers and burned them right there. Unsure of why he would do that, Hmm. but that's what he did. Nobody knows who summoned the solicitor and nobody knows who told the bell, but as news of this mysterious event spread across the countryside, Ranworth Hall developed a new type of dark reputation, leading to it remaining abandoned until its demolition in 1985. To this day, only the staircase remains, an unassuming reminder of a dark man and his final bizarre moments. (laughs) While Ranworth is a bustling holiday spot during the summer, it remains effectively abandoned from Christmas Eve until springtime. Could it be due to the strange story of Colonel Sidley? Could it be due to the rumors that have been spread over the years of people hearing the ghostly galloping of black Jezebel thundering across the path on Christmas Eve each year?
1: (laughs) Could it be due to the sound
2: of a terrified horse plunging into a body of water? One can't be totally certain. As for Colonel Thomas Sidley, he was never seen again, but many believe that his final ride to hell is a warning to all of us or to any evil or wild person to change your ways before it's too late.
3: Wow. Yeah. So you better change your ways and not be such a big part of your Phoebe.
2: Yeah, Phoebe, what? knock it off.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, Phoebe, chill out. Call yeah, me chill out, out.
3: your all black. <laughs> And, I'm and not.
1: Your, she's always emo. got her hunting I'm in my Mary yeah, Swift Miss t-shirt. Yeah, she's so got sure a Mary something.
2: Swift Miss shirt on, so I think she's probably good. <laughs> I mean, I'm good. Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> she might be fine. I won't go to
1: any ragers for like, probably ever, honestly. I'm not like a rager person.
2: You realize we have this recorded, right? Yeah. Yep. We can use this against okay. you at any point. Oh. I'm going to refer back to this someday. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you retract I'm your statement. <laughs> I'm good, guys. No comment. No comment. <laughs> So, okay, obviously, a story like that could have taken place. Mm-hmm. It was reported on in the news. People witnessed some creeper in the stables
3: yeah, yeah. that
2: Sidley rode off with and was mm-hmm. never seen again. Like, people did witness that. Is it possible that there's been, like, some embellishments over yeah, time yeah. to kind of make sense of this guy disappearing? Because sure. a guy like him, who's a who's high character, you know, he's a big, right. He's a big character in town.
3: Suddenly that's how disappearing. He would, that's how he would want to go out.
2: Yeah. He would want to go out that way for one, and then for two, there has to be some legend around him disappearing. He couldn't have just like gotten drunk and accidentally fell into the water and drowned. Right? It couldn't have been something like that. It had to be a story. A, a yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. A legend. Either way, that's how it was reported <laughs> on, which is really fun.
3: That is really fun. Oh. Huh. So,
2: Anyway, the next story is kind of a Christmas legend that potentially has a few different true origins. So kind of keep that in mind as we go. There's not really a confirmed, this is where this story happened. This is the person who we're talking about. It's a little bit vague. Okay. But just stick with it. So this is the story of the mistletoe bride or the mistletoe bow, which is very, very festive. Bow? B O U G H like oh. bows of holly. Oh, interesting! I never knew
1: like what that was. Like a bow, huh.
2: isn't it um, just like a like a, a gathering, bunch? like a bunch? Yeah, a bow. That's what I
1: thought.
2: Bunch oh. is a better word than gathering. Yeah. I was trying too hard to max out my <laughs> syllables. <They> Should
1: say <laughs> bunch of holly. I don't know.
2: The mistletoe <laughs> bunch also sounds a little weird. True. So we'll go with mistletoe bride.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's great.
2: So as the legend goes, the daughter of a nobleman was handed off in marriage to a wealthy young man, a minister or Lord Lavelle, at the very stately Bramshill House in Hampshire, England. The wedding went off without a hitch, and basking in the joy and excitement of their new union, the bride suggested that the family and all of the guests should play a game together. But not just any game. She wanted to play hide and seek.
3: Ah, yes. Always Uh a good
2: idea. In stories like this, one hopes someone will suggest hide and seek.
3: <laughs> All
2: she asked was that they, uh, she would be the one who would get to do the hiding and that her guests would give her a five-minute head start. And so off she went down the hall, attempting to find the perfect hiding place to stump her guests and win the game. After five minutes passed, the guests began to search for the bride, but dang it, she did a really good job hiding.
3: Good job.
2: She did yes. it. So for the first little while, the group thought that the bride was just really great at the game. But as hours passed with no sign of the bride, everyone started to worry, wondering out loud if the bride had maybe suddenly gotten cold feet and had used the game of hide and seek as an opportunity to run <laughs> rather than living the rest of her life with her new husband. Right. So mm-hmm. she's like, oh gosh, what have I done? I'm just going to pretend <laughs> I'm stoked.
1: Yeah. I'm going to tell yeah.
2: everyone I'm playing hide and seek and then I'm going to hightail it out of here.
1: I That was leave. So.
3: That's oh, what damn. I would do excuse well not like with you if i was trying to get out of something
2: noted if you ever suggest a game of hide and seek i'm gonna be really really suspicious of you (laughs) so her husband didn't buy that this was the case and he never gave up on trying to find her over the decades he continued to search the home and property for his lost bride believing that she would never have just run away because they had married for love but it wouldn't be until 50 years after her disappearing on her wedding night before she would be found.
1: What? What?
2: On a dark winter's night, the once young groom turned elderly widower was searching in the attic of the home when he came across something that very much surprised him. As he was knocking on the oak paneled walls in search of some unknown hollow or cove where his bride could have hidden all those years ago, he found a secret door. He opened the door and edged his way into the darkened room within, and there in the center of the room was a large, heavy oak chest. He opened the chest, and much to his horror, he discovered the skeletal remains of his bride, still in her wedding gown, clutching her bouquet. Oh.
1: Oh. On the
2: inside lid of the chest were hundreds of claw marks, evidence of the bride's futile attempt to escape from the coffin she accidentally trapped herself in. Oh, that's, oh, that's so tragic! She tried to get out. Isn't that sad? Yeah. Over the years, visitors to the Bramshill house have reported seeing a ghostly woman in a bridal gown accompanied with the signature scent of the bride, which was a perfume that smelled like Lily of the Valley. Hmm. There's one room in particular. I'm going to butcher this because it's French the Fleur de Lis room, where visitors claim to see her gliding silently at night. A lady in a bridal okay. gown. And should you walk through the front doors of the house today, apparently there is a large oak chest there, like in the front hall on display. Oh.
3: With all the scratch marks on it. I don't know, man. They've never opened it. She's still in there. So it's like corpse Bride. No, <laughs> but it's like a corpse bread, corpse Bride. Sorry. It's not, a bride. I've never seen the movie. Yes. I'm, I'm dis- <laughs> sorry. That was <laughs> a say bad, That's not
2: the plot. Of not corpse the pl- bride. I've <laughs> never
3: seen the movie, but I'm saying it's like a corpse bride. Yes. That's funny. Also it's, it's, you're not known about the story yet, but I'm curious um, if that's part of where they got the story for, what's that horror movie um, where it's a married couple and the new bride, is she picks the game.
1: Oh, Hide like
3: they, and Seek. They all, Is it called Hide and Seek?
2: Oh no, Ready or Not.
3: Ready or Not. That's yeah, what it's that called. That one's really good. Yeah. That I wonder fun. if there's a little bit of like a inspiration for that movie Maybe. from this could legend. Be. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot of could parallel be. to it.
2: Yeah. That's actually a good thought. I was thinking that as I was writing it. Mm. So this story has several origins, several real historical people believed to have been the bride and groom, as well as several different homes across England that claim to be the home of the original story. Bramshill House is kind of the more widely accepted Mm. Version, Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is also notoriously haunted, with upwards of 14 different ghosts believed to be walking the halls and through rooms over the centuries. Nice. Ooh. It has been interpreted in poetry, film, and song for hundreds of years, perhaps most famously in songwriter-slash-poet Thomas Hayne Bailey's ballad, The Mistletoe Bow," or in the Samuel Rogers poem titled "Geneva." So let's end this little portion of the story with a snippet, from Samuel Rogers' poem. Quote, Oh, sad was her fate. In sportive jest, she hid from her lord in an old oak chest. It closed with spring and her bridal bloom lay withering there in that living tomb.
3: End quote. That's so sad and scary. scary.
2: Yeah, and like, <laughs> like the- m- Oh,
1: yeah, I'm gonna go play hide and seek. And then she like she locked herself in a-
2: Honestly, is it? I so would terrifying. do so <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> like relatable. She hid too well. She was too yeah. good at the
3: game. She committed to the game. She was so good at it that not only did they not find her for like long enough to be dead, but then another 50 years. Right. That's crazy. That's
2: pretty impressive. Honestly, 10 points to the bride for being an excellent
3: hider. She's so yeah. good. Too good. Don't be so good at hiding. That's the moral of the story. <laughs>
2: yeah. Okay, so next we're hopping over to Ludington, Michigan, to a haunted old Victorian estate that's said to be the site of many hauntings. Owners, both past and present, have reported all kinds of poltergeist activity coming from the home. Mm. Furniture will move around the house all by itself. Rocking chairs will rock by themselves. And every morning at exactly 5.15 a.m., the stairs creak as though someone is walking up them, but anytime residents of the home would go to see who was on the stairs, they would be completely empty. And then perhaps most relevant to today's story, they also tend to play an interesting little Christmas prank.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time
2: only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
0: ba ba
2: For many years, a man from a neighboring house would come to the home and put an angel at the top of the Christmas tree. But unfortunately, this man passed away. Mm. But even after his death, the angel would appear at the top of the Christmas tree, and all of the owners of the home since the '80s swear that they had absolutely nothing to do with putting the angel on the tree. They have no clue how it got there. So so isn't that weird? And like they don't even <laughs> know where the angel goes when it comes down.
3: Oh, weird! Oh my god! So no one's taking it down and putting it away either. Right? Just, okay. Just going
2: there. Isn't that super weird? Yes. uh, So the house is also believed to be haunted by a group of ghosts, the ghosts of the Stark family who once lived in the home, and they're most often seen around Christmas and New Year's. The Stark family lived in the home in the 19th century, and they were an extremely wealthy lumber baron dynasty. Mm. So they were like super rich. The first of the Stark family members is the more eccentric sister, Vera Stark. Vera was kind of known around town for being odd. She was just a weird rich lady doing her thing. She's most often...
3: I've had a few of those in a few stories.
2: We have had a handful. Yeah, I always want to be friends with them.
3: Yes. I always think
2: that they're fabulous <laughs> and I love they're,
3: them. They're too fabulous and that's what, how they get so uh, uh, eccentric.
2: Yes, that's right. <laughs> I mean, nobody can carry that much, like, fabulosity without there being some what a good word outcome. Yes. You know. Yes. Some I alternative agree. outcome.
3: Yes. Only Phoebe can carry that kind of fabulosity.
2: I was
1: gonna say Sharpay Evans, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sharpe <laughs> Evans vibes. <laughs> so okay, now she's a ghost, obviously now. This is a long yes, long time ago that she was actually alive. So she's most often seen doing one of her favorite daily rituals in the yard. When she was alive, she would go outside in a fur coat and only a fur coat so that she could pick flowers in the yard. Hmm. That was her thing.
1: So her spirit... Wait, what'd you say? This is my flower picking coat. (laughs) This
2: is is my flower picking coat? (laughs) 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 So her spirit is still reportedly seen in the yard, donning her coat and clutching a handful of flowers. Whenever people see Vera... Still? Yeah.
3: Sorry, I was taking a drink.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Whenever people see Vera's spirit, they see her in the yard, only in a coat, Holding flowers.
3: What if she's she's also like a skinwalker?
2: Not possible. Oh, okay. (laughs)
3: Then never mind.
2: Declined. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So sadly, one of the other Stark sisters passed away in the fourth floor gymnasium of the home due to hanging. Her spirit is seen wandering the halls of the massive home as well. So, all of the owners of the home have reported the ghostly activity, and one of the more recent owners, Or maybe even the current owner, it was kind of unclear in the sources I was using. This person grew so used to the activity in the home and thought that maybe there was an opportunity to make some money by offering historical ghost tours of the home. It's like, you know, I could probably make some money. People want to see this kind of thing. They sure do. But the ghosts did not like this idea at all. They were not on board. As soon as renovations of the home began, workers would report having objects thrown at them by an unseen hand. Oh, The windows would open and close by themselves and the paranormal activity increased to a point where the owner recognized that this ghost tour idea was not going to (laughs) work. Since then, the family has grown used to coexisting with the ghosts and they're not really scared of them, but instead they'll talk to them if the chairs Mm -hmm. start rocking Mm -hmm. or when the angel appears magically on the Christmas tree or when the furniture moves around by itself.
3: They just start thanking the ghosts for being such good Roommates,
2: yeah, they're like. I think they're just lonely. I think they just mm. want attention. Aw, and yeah. so we
1: we're sharing the home with them,
2: yeah. and we're gonna be polite.
3: Home How'd sharers. Feel? How'd you feel about having a ghostly roommate?
1: I mean, you can't really get rid of them if they're, they died there. So I mean, they're kind of just like, I'm staying here. They're kind of cool, actually. That'd be sick having a roommate that was a ghost. <laughs> I'd be so down. Wait, what would you guys do? <laughs> I'd be so down. It would have sleepovers.
2: <laughs> Every night. You can have
1: a slumber party. That's a great idea. What if she watched me while I was sleeping? Well, I mean, she's probably just bored. That's true. I gotta understand that. I gotta respect her. That's I would true. hope for like a Vera ghost. <laughs> yeah. So be like, right, Do you want to go pick right. some flowers? It's right. yeah. a great go. day. Let's go
2: grab our coats and head on out. Our fur right. coats. Our flower
1: picking coats. Yeah.
2: yeah. Honestly, that sounds like something your mom would be mm-hmm. up to. She'd yeah. be like… Let's go get our coats and pick some flowers. Yeah, if mom that's
3: ever becomes a ghost, probably. well, that's we'll just expect that she's gonna go feed some chickens. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: you
3: know, like, how do the chickens keep, keep getting fed and put away it on time every night? Oh, it's mom's ghost. Mom. That's what no, I'd that's be. just mom taking yeah. her of the chickens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. So finally, we have the story of the Brown Lady of Raynham Hall. So Raynham Hall in England is notoriously haunted, with a long and very well documented account of those hauntings that we have to work with. So who is the brown lady of Raynham Hall? She's believed to be the ghost of a woman by the name of Lady Dorothy Walpole, the sister of England's first prime minister, Sir Robert Walpole, which feels like a tongue twister to say. Walpole. Walpole. I think it's just very upper throat heavy, so it feels weird to say.
3: Probably sounds better with a British accent. It probably
2: sounds awesome with a British accent. (laughs) So Dorothy was born in 1686 into a huge family, and to keep this episode from being too long, I'll skip ahead to Dorothy's teenage years. Hmm. So when Dorothy was 15, she caught the eye of second Marquis Charles Townsend. Charles noticed how beautiful Dorothy was and became immediately enchanted with her. And so when Dorothy was 15 and Charles was 27, he
3: decided to propose to her. 15 and 20. that's you're almost 15.
1: Yeah. That's weird.
2: The legal age for marriage at the time was 12 for girls and 14 for boys. And then there were rules with how marriage activities could be executed and like how to handle Mm. those relationships. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not
1: going to lie. A 27 year old proposed to me. I'd be like, um, I'm reporting you to the police. No, thank you. (laughs) That would be what we call a
3: hard pass. Good job, Phoebe. That's the right answer. This is all a test to make sure you'd answer that one question correctly.
2: (laughs) So Sir Robert would agree with how we feel about this. He was not into this idea, and so he denied the couple his blessing to get married. It's believed that he denied the marriage because he didn't want to appear to be trying to get in close proximity to the Townsend family in order to get in on their massive fortune. Mm. It was more like political
3: optics. Interesting. Yeah.
2: But whether it was like, uh, no, gross, she's a kid and you're an adult, like get a hobby. (laughs) Or if it was a political move, it was this event that would send Dorothy into her teenage and young adult life, inspired by like a new life of partying and Scandal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was really upsetting to her. And she's yeah. like, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to rebel and do my thing. Yeah. She eventually became the mistress of a well known womanizing, debt ridden man by the name of Lord Wharton. So while Dorothy was having this on and off fling with Lord Wharton, Charles was off building a name for himself in the world of agriculture, eventually becoming a famous statesman as well. Hmm. Charles got married to his first wife, but she unfortunately passed away in 1711. But soon after his wife's passing, Charles and Dorothy would reconnect, this time deciding that they were definitely going to get married and nobody would be able to stop them. And so that's what they did.
3: Well, now they're both adults, I assume. Mm -hmm. So do what you want
2: to do. Do your thing. Yeah. The couple moved into the Townsend home, which is Rainham Hall, and very quickly had seven children together. They just Mm. got right down to business making kids. Oh. From the (laughs) outside, the couple had it all. They had an incredible estate. There was honor in Charles's work and status and a big old family, but things would not stay golden for the couple.
3: Oh boy, here we go.
2: Things took a terrifying turn for the worst when Charles discovered Dorothy's past escapades with Lord Wharton, and he took it upon himself to punish his wife and the mother of his seven children by locking her up in her room at Raynham Hall. Oh no. What? Yeah. So he didn't know that when they weren't together, she was off having a fling with Lord Wharton. And so he found out about it and figured she needed to pay for those choices.
3: Even though he was with somebody else too?
2: Yeah. What the what heck, the dude? What yeah. Narcissist? <laughs> yeah, gross. Dorothy lived 13 long, isolated years locked in her room, never getting to see any of her children ever again. What? For 13 years? hmm what, what the heck? Before she passed away on March 29th, 1726 at the age of 40. Oh,
3: <gasps> that's, that's so, so sad. sad.
2: It's super sad. While her official cause of death was listed as smallpox, multiple sources across many mediums reported that something much worse had happened as her remains showed signs of having a broken neck, which is obviously oh. not a symptom
3: of smallpox. Oh, no, it's oh. not. You have that has to happen on purpose, I'm pretty sure, or yeah. an extreme accident.
2: Right. So the theory is that either Charles threw Dorothy down the grand staircase and killed her or that she fell or took her own life by falling down the stairs, which no matter how you slice it, her final years and her death were extremely, extremely sad.
3: Yeah.
1: That's horrible. There's like a lot of
2: heavy feelings Mm -hmm. surrounding that whole 13 years and then her death. Right. So it feels to me like a recipe for a haunting.
3: Sure is. So tell us all about it.
2: So to this day, (laughs) there's a portrait of Lady Dorothy that still hangs in the hall at Raynham. She's pictured as a beautiful young woman in a brown brocade gown with yellow trim and a ruffle around her throat. So it was like the fanciest type of gown of the day. Mm-hmm. During the day, the portrait is beautiful, but at night by candlelight, something super creepy happens. It appears as though her eyes are missing. Oh, There's like two like black holes where her eyes are. A fact made all the more terrifying when we learned that since the earliest documented sightings of the brown lady, Beginning in the early 1800s, people report seeing a beautiful spectral woman dressed in a brown brocade gown, just like the one in the painting. But worse is that she's also seen carrying a lamp and she's missing her eyes oh, whenever really? they see her ghost. What? So the ghosts in the painting Crazy. at night are
1: missing the eyes. Yeah. So that's so weird.
3: So I wonder, I wonder if there's something with her eyes to do with the way she died. It's a mystery. Like, she has a broken neck, obviously, but if it's like she saw something she wasn't supposed to see or something. Oh, Kevin. I know. The plot I know. Loopholes. Loopholes. I know. Yeah. Adding adding legend to the legend.
2: Oh, mm. good job. I know. So That'd she's be. been seen countless times since the early 1800s and by all different kinds of people. In 1815, George IV, Prince Regent at the time and future king, paid a visit to Raynham Hall. One night, he was awakened by the brown lady standing at the foot of his bed and watching him from behind the black holes where her eyes should have been. George was so terrified that he literally fled the hall in his nightclothes, later going on to say, quote, I will not spend another hour in this accursed house, for tonight I have seen that which I hope to God I never see again. End quote. Oh
1: my gosh. That would not be pleasant to see someone standing at the edge of your bed. Just missing our yes.
2: eyeballs.
3: Oh gosh!
2: It's
1: like a uh, hey,
2: a more extreme version of when one of the kids comes to our room and very quietly whispers uh-huh. my name, and they're just like an inch from my face. <laughs> it's the scariest every time. It's three in the
3: morning. <laughs> yeah.
2: So another one of the first documented sightings of the Brown Lady at Raynham Hall took place at Christmas during like a big Christmas gathering hosted by Charles Townsend in 1835. Hmm. After finishing a game of after-dinner chess, the guests in attendance decided they should probably head to bed, and so they stood up from their seats and walked towards the bedrooms. As they made their way towards the rooms, multiple men noticed the outline of a woman in a fancy, older-looking dress standing in one of the bedroom doorways. Right before their eyes, the woman vanished completely.
3: Mm -hmm. There's a group
2: of, like, noblemen who saw this happen. They all see this, yeah. Very strange. The following night, one of the witnesses a guy by the name of Colonel William Loftus, saw the figure again, but this time was able to get a closer look at her. He noted that while she appeared to have been from an aristocratic background, he was horrified to discover that it looked as though her eyes had been gouged out.
1: That's crazy.
2: When he saw the large painting of that same woman in a brown dress, the painting of Dorothy hanging Mm -hmm. in one of the rooms, he realized that was 100% who he saw in the hallway. Like identical. That's wild. Wow given charles's high status there were noteworthy guests in attendance like that night and so when this story did hit the press there was immediate credibility added to the story and it became there was like a catalyst of interest huh. that the public started to feel for more stories about the brown lady who is right. this lady everybody's pretty sure it's dorothy yeah just based mm-hmm. off of the painting but like there was some buzz being generated mm. from yeah. the news reports of this
3: yeah so it's like one of those things where Obviously, you could be the person who lives there that sees it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: But like to imagine going to a party and then you leave and you find out later that like people saw these weird things and you mm-hmm. were there. You didn't maybe see it, but you were there and you're like, what? Like, yeah. Just like yeah. the, the concern you have. And that's, that's how those stories. I mean, I just think about things like that happening, not like necessarily with like ghosts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, like, any kind of story mm-hmm. of something crazy happening when you're at a party yeah. in college or high mm-hmm. school or whatever. Totally. I was and
1: there. Yeah, yeah, I
3: was there, and this happened in the other room, yeah. and I found out later. And then you want all the details. Right. And so, it like, of course it, like, adds, and then it, people add details. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, the legend keeps growing. Yeah. But, wow, that's crazy.
2: The following year, an author and Royal Navy captain by the name of Frederick Marriott visited Rainham as part of a haunting party. Which what's a haunting party and can I come? <laughs> Let me just say, haunting
1: party.
2: Yeah, I want to do it. Your mom, sh- your mom throws good parties. You we should, should throw a haunting party in October. I'll do a
1: haunting party for my fifteenth. How about that? Here come. <laughs> we should go. You know, we should go. Where? We should go. Oh my gosh, I literally can't remember. It's like the most famous hotel. I can't remember the name. Stanley, in Colorado. Yes, it's the Stanley Hotel, I was like, in Colorado. What the heck, yeah. have yeah, a haunting party at the Stanley. I actually really want to go there for my fifteenth. That was like talked about. In. That was ta- that's been talked about. In this house. Like, All right, I'm everybody,
3: we're it. now taking donations for Phoebe's 15th birthday because that's like a $2,000 birthday party. <laughs> that would be
2: so sick, though <laughs> Okay, so Marriott was a skeptic and was determined to put to bed the silly rumors of a ghostly woman in brown haunting the Raynham Hall. He was like, This is ridiculous. You guys grow up. Right. <laughs> he asked to be put in the room that had the painting of the woman also. He's like really got a point to prove. Yeah.
3: Wow. He's all in. Oh, he's He's, he's so ghost adventures. In. He's ready. Before ghost adventures. But on the skeptical side. Oh, right. So the other guy, well, I forget what that guy's name is. He's got like the million dollar bet on things not being real. Anyway, not important <laughs> for right now. Okay. Google it. You'll know.
2: <laughs> so two days and nights passed without incident. And so Marriott was convinced that the story of the brown lady haunting was made up by local smugglers to keep others away from like the potential loot at a place like Rainham Hall. But on the third night, while he was getting changed for bed, a knock came at his bedroom door. It was two men from his company who asked him if he would come and take a look at the new gun that they'd just gotten from London. He agreed, and he joined them in one of their rooms to take a peek. Hmm. When they were done, the men offered to walk Marriott back to his room and jokingly handed him the gun so he could use it for protection against the brown lady. (laughs) So everybody, like, knew, like...
3: They're all laughing, like, haha, ha, it's like is, a joke at this yeah, point, yeah,
2: so they all had a good laugh and walked down the hall towards Marriott's room when suddenly they saw a dark, melancholy looking woman holding a small glowing light, and she was walking right towards them so right after they saw her, the men tucked themselves into a small space behind a set of double doors leading to like a different unoccupied mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. since it was rude for men to like be present around women when they were wearing their night clothes. That was huh. their reason for why they hid. Which I'm gonna just say, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. You were immediately freaked out when yeah. you saw her.
3: Right.
2: So the woman was she continued walking towards them mm-hmm. and then stopped walking right in front of where they were hiding.
1: Oh, oh.
2: but she was like staring yeah. straight ahead. Stuff. So they could only yeah. see her in profile. Mm-hmm. And then she looked directly at Marriott and quote, grinned in a malicious and diabolical manner. <laughs>
1: No, thank you. She also had no <laughs> eyes. Yeah. No, thank you. Oh. I'm gone. Hard I no. dipped out of there. No, thank you.
3: Spooky Coraline.
1: Right. Yeah. Spookier, Carolin-
2: Spookier Coraline. Spookier
3: Coraline, yeah.
2: Marriott raised the gun and fired a shot at the eyeless woman in the brown dress, but just as quickly as the shot was fired, she vanished. The bullet lodged in the door across the hall, and from what I read, Marriott never attempted to square up with a brown lady ever again. <laughs> so after that sighting, multiple servants also claimed to have seen the brown lady silently sauntering around the halls.
1: Silently oh. sauntering.
2: Yeah, which very creepy. Honestly, yes. if I was a ghost, I would just put on a Victorian gown, or like pre-Victorian gown, and just like saunter. <laughs>
1: You like saunter, I would well, totally like. Saunter. I want to lurk in the hallways, be so fun. I would lurk and the, I, would lurk. Lurk. I would loom,
2: I would loom also. <gasps> yes,
3: there you go,
1: <laughs> looming and lurking the, at the same time. <laughs> that's so that's so crazy.
3: The spooky grin, though, that's what gets me is like looking directly like and then stopping like the smile. Yes, you know, like the creepy smile. You know what I'm thinking. About I me. totally yeah, do. Yeah. I can picture that's, it. That's like, oh no, it's
1: disturbing, grim
3: cutty kind of stuff. Like, yeah, nah. no, thank creepy. you, creepy. <laughs>
2: So this would continue over the next several decades, beckoning more visitors to come in hopes of being the one to debunk a myth or to witness a ghost with their own two eyes. Finally, in September of 1936, the most famous sighting of the ghost of the Brown Lady made headlines all across the world. When photographer Indra Shira and art director Captain Hubert C. Provand came to take photos of Raynham Hall for Country Life magazine, Indra would capture one of the most convincing photos of an alleged ghost, even to this day. Really? At around 4 p.m., the men were taking photos on the ground floor near the staircase, when suddenly Indra became convinced that there was something on the stairs. So, like, they looked, and it's a totally empty staircase. They don't uh-huh. see anything at all. Yeah. But they're like, okay, I guess it's because at the time the cameras were kind of like the, it took multiple people to operate. One right. operates the flash, one right. operates the lens and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so together, the men took a photo of what appeared to be an empty staircase. Since this was almost 100 years ago, they would have to wait to develop the photo. Uh-huh. But they were both pretty well convinced that maybe their minds were just playing tricks on them. Yeah, Like maybe I internalized one of those ghost stories and got freaked out, but whatever. <sighs> But when they developed the photo, they discovered that they absolutely did capture something remarkable. In the photo, you can clearly see what appears to be a veiled woman hovering in the middle of the staircase. The photo was published in Country Life magazine and would go on to become front-page news across the globe.
3: That's crazy.
2: Oh my Mm god! I have the picture too. I'll share on the Instagram. It's really cool. Yeah, post it. Numerous experts from various backgrounds have examined the photo over the last several decades, including the legendary paranormal investigator, Harry Price, who we talked about in our Borley Rectory episode Uh for Patreon. So, and so far, nobody's been able to prove that the photo is false. So it's either the real deal or it was such a perfectly executed hoax that nobody has been able to crack either. Jeez. So it's either real or a really, really, really good hoax. Yeah. And while the brown lady isn't the only spirit said to stalk the corridors of Raynham Hall, she's definitely the most famous. And that is what I have for you today.
3: Wow. That's crazy. Okay, that's right. My la- last one was my favorite.
2: That's yeah. Yeah, I she's... A lot.
3: That's crazy.
2: She deserves it. Honestly, she she deserves to get to spook all the men that come in. And, yeah.
3: yeah. She's done her done her part.
2: Yeah. yeah. I'm proud of her yeah
1: so proud of her
3: yeah
2: I'll share the photo of her on the Instagram though it's super creepy
3: I love good spooky ghost stories me too who doesn't yeah that's that's what it is that's what it's all about at Christmas time right yeah all about the ghost stories yeah (laughs) right
1: yes (laughs) obviously
2: (laughs) well Phoebe thank you so much for coming and listening to stories
1: thank you for having me duh we have to have you back culture 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 Culture.
3: (laughs) oh man incredible Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the unusual, unsettling, unsavory stories today. If you haven't already, please make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform and leave a glowing five star review. Phoebe, have you left a five star review yet? Of course, I have. Okay, well, good. So take. Take Phoebe's lead. She's 14, which means she's way ahead of you if you haven't done it yet. Uh, and also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and TikTok at this one is a doozy. and on Facebook, This One's Doozy Podcast. You can also join us over on Patreon, which they talked about earlier. My love, why don't you tell them a little bit about Patreon?
2: Yes. So you can follow the link in our Instagram bio or in our Facebook about section, or you can go to patreon.com slash DoozyPod. And for $5 a month, you can support our show. Subscribers over on Patreon also get access to all of our content ad free, as well as two monthly bonus episodes that are exclusive only to Patreon and a fiction story on the first Friday of each month.
1: Yes.
3: Awesome. Phoebe. You have any last words you want to share?
1: Um, no. But it was a super fun time hanging out with y'all.
3: That's awesome. It's really fun. With that everybody, we will see you next week in 2 weeks. In 2, in two weeks. weeks after the new year for another doozy.
2: Thank you. Bye. Thank you.